going to be preaching a little bit of an unusual topic for a Sunday night, and I'm going to do it in a little different way than I normally would. So after the prayer, um, just have your Bibles ready, but we won't open them right at the beginning till after the introduction. But I just want to go to the Lord in prayer, and I'm very thankful for the opportunity to preach tonight. It almost feels liberating to be preaching without the pictures behind me. It's really unusual for me to teach that way, and I'm trying to work at changing the way that I do it so that it matches what I'm supposed to be doing. But, Father Lord, I come before you tonight. I'm just so thankful, Father Lord, and so honored by the privilege of standing behind a pulpit, Father, with the Word of God, Father Lord, and a message from you, Father, for me and for everyone that is here, Father, because it's the message of your Word that applies to everyone. I just pray you'd help me to preach your Word and that it would make sense, Father, and Lord, that it would apply and be applied by the Holy Spirit to the hearts of those here. Christ's name I pray. Amen. The stillness of the night was broken by the sing-song chant of Jewish psalmody. The beautiful words echoed on the cold and damp prison walls as the rats stopped their chattering at the unfamiliar sounds. Restless on their beds of stone, the other prisoners began to listen. Were these really the two men in the inner prison? The two men who only hours before had spilled their blood all the way down through the outer prison into the dark and airless hole they now occupied? What did they have to sing about? What made them sing songs of praise in the midst of pain? Their thoughts were interrupted by a violent shaking of the prison. The prisoners cried out to a multitude of deities as they feared for their lives. The very foundations of the prison began to shake, and yet the prison did not fall down. In shock, the prisoners realized that not a chain, not a bar, not a door kept any one of them from freedom. They sat stock still, dumbfounded by what had happened. The earthquake woke the jailer. As he leapt out of bed, he was confronted by the open door of his prison. His hands shaking, he took a last look at the life he had known as he drew his deadly blade. He was a Roman jailer. He knew that the door of the prison was open and he could not but assume that his prisoners had fled. Some of them must have been slaves reserved for terrible fates. By Roman law, he would be subject to the combined sentences of all of the escaping prisoners. His proud Roman spirit could not face the shame, the degradation, the tortured death he would surely endure. The sheath clanked as he raised the sword to his throat. His last thoughts were broken by a startling cry. It was the Jew he had thrust into the inner prison. By some miracle, the prisoners had remained in their cells. By a greater miracle, the man he had so mistreated was intervening to save his life. His worries over the fate of the prisoners disappeared as he realized the significance of these events. The words of the Jewish strangers were true. As he began to tremble all over, his quavering voice called for a light. As soon as it was given, he jumped through the open door so swiftly that the oil-lit lamp he was carrying almost went out. Falling almost on his face before the once despised prisoners, his shaking hands undid the stocks that had so cruelly bound the feet of the two men. 
hastily bringing them out of the prison, he asked this question. The question we find in the book of Acts and chapter 16 and verse 30. If you would open your Bibles to Acts chapter 16 and verse 30. And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The Roman jailer was an unlikely candidate for salvation. A hardened man, he had thought so little of the message of Paul and of Silas that he had thrown them into the dungeon. He had his own religion, his own life, his own way of thinking, but his way of thinking was inadequate to cope with what he had seen. He needed to be saved. Yet the Roman jailer, as wicked as he was, was no more in need of salvation than I was or than anyone is when, when they are born, than anyone is until they are saved. You and I may not have thrown someone into a dungeon. We may not have unjustly beaten anyone, but we are nonetheless guilty before God because we are all sinners. The book of Romans verse 3, book of Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned. All have sinned. All without exception. Everyone would agree. Almost everyone. I've met and I've talked to hundreds of people and I've met one person who told me she had never done anything wrong. Which was right after she told me she had just gotten divorced. So I think at least one person disagreed with her assessment of her life. But just agreeing to the, that you have messed up at some point is not the biblical picture of sin. Because it's not enough to say, I've done wrong. Yeah, I took, I took the last piece of cherry pie when I was a little kid and pretended I only got one pie. Just admitting to something like that, admitting, yeah, I didn't punch in my clock quite right at work. Everybody's messed up. Everybody cheats a little bit. Yeah, that, that's not the biblical picture of sin. Because the second part of chapter 3 and verse 23 of the book of Romans said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God is, not, God is not concerned about sin primarily as the sin of me against another human being or, this, or your sin against another human being, but your sin against Him. Because all sin is against the glory of God and that's what makes even the smallest sin so terrible that God cannot overlook it. In the, book of, in the book of Psalms, in chapter 51, the famous 51st Psalm of David, after he had sinned with Bathsheba, David cried out, Against thee, against thee only have I sinned. David had committed terrible sins against Uriah, against Bathsheba, against the entire nation, but compared to the sin he had committed against God, the others were of no consequence. God is perfectly holy, perfectly just, perfectly innocent, and all sin is evil rebellion against Him. That is why He is so just in sending sinners to hell. He is not a vengeful God. He is not someone that wants to spitefully punish people. He has to give us what we deserve. He cannot let one sin go unpunished. The book of James in chapter 2 and verse 10 says, He that is guilty in one point is guilty in all. We have, we have all broken God's law at some point. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we are all judged guilty as lawbreakers and must be punished as such by eternal separation from God. 
When we realize just how guilty we are and how good God is and how wicked it is for us to transgress against such a good God, we too will cry out with the jailer, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The answer that Paul and Silas, the men in the dungeon, gave to him is the same answer that is still true today. It was true then, it is true now, it will be true if the Lord does not come back a thousand years from now, and at every day in between, the answer that Paul gave to that wicked jailer who realized that his way of thinking and his way of life was not sufficient to enable him to stand before a holy God is found in verse 31. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Jesus Christ is not one of many ways to salvation. The book of Acts, chapter 4 and verse 12 says, Neither is there any other name given from heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. It is not if you believe and, or if you almost believe, If you believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And it's not for those who are really bad sinners or those who aren't so bad sinners and therefore God can save them. It's not like only those that are really awful need to be saved. And it's not like only those that are pretty nice people already can be saved. Because not only could the Philippian jailer find salvation, but everyone that was members of his household could also find salvation. Now, if he was actually a Roman centurion, we don't actually know that. We know he was a Roman jailer because Philippi would have been a military town and it would have been populated primarily by Roman citizens or people who had purchased Roman citizenship, like the jailer. But it more than likely refers to his servants and his slaves, not to his wife and children, because if he was actually an active-duty Roman officer or Roman centurion or even a common soldier, he would have been barred from even having a wife. So there are those that would go to this and say, you can believe for your children and get them baptized, but there is not even the slightest hint of that in this passage. All of them, verse 34 of chapter 16, says, And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. All the house that believed, every member of the house that would be willing to ask his question and believe the answer that was given to him could also be saved. Salvation is for every class of sinners, not just men, but also women, not just adults, but also children, not just the nasty people, but also the nice people. The only way to be saved from the just punishment of our sins is to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus. If you have not yet believed on the name of the Lord Jesus, you are in the same sad plight as a Philippian jailer before he was saved. You are under the just condemnation of a holy God. John chapter 3 and verse 18 says, He that believeth not is condemned already. It is a terrible thing to lie under the condemnation of an all-knowing, all-powerful, and very justly angered God. No matter who you are, you cannot escape the penalty for your sin. No matter what you have done, no matter what good work you have done, it has not paid that penalty for you. 
There is only one thing you can do to be saved. There is only one way in which you must be saved if you ever will be. And that is to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no substitute for believing on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That very night, a hardened Roman jailer found forgiveness for all the wrongs, the many wrongs he must have done in his profession, in his entire life. That same night, he found the secret to life. He found out why the prisoners could sing in his dungeon. Yet the unbelieving jailers of this world are not the only ones who need to know why the prisoners could sing. There's many believers today that seem to be as ignorant as the wicked pagan jailer was of why Paul and Silas could sing in the dungeon. They're not in the midst of persecution. There's not been serious, significant governmental persecution in America for hundreds of years. We are in a very prosperous age. And yes, I know we're in a recession, but compared to the rest of the world, compared to the rest of world history, we are living in a time of incredible prosperity. As long as Starbucks stays in business, we are living in a time of prosperity. Seriously. And yet, in spite of all that prosperity, even when they get their Starbucks, they still don't sing. We have believers today that seem just to be totally unaware of the fact that they have something in their life, or if they are telling the truth, they ought to have something in their life that can enable them to sing even in the dungeon. But not just in the dungeon, out in the sunlight at all times. They do not sing, not because the circumstances in their life are so terrible, but because they have forgotten how wonderful their Savior is. If you have lost your song tonight, it is not because your suffering is too great, but because your Savior is too small in your eyes. Jesus never promised that His disciples would have an easy life. But He did promise that He would never forsake us. And He did promise that there would always be a reason why you will never have an excuse to be without a song. There may come a time in America when we are cast into dungeons like Paul and Silas was. It's very doubtful that time will come anytime soon, even if there does come persecution, that we would be beaten in the streets and thrown into an airless hole. That isn't very likely. It's far more likely the trial you will face will be far more subtle. Yet regardless of the type of trial that you face, there will come a time in your life when you will feel like you have no earthly reason to sing. When your heart is broken and you don't even think you have a reason to go on. And it is when you have no earthly reason to sing that the world can know you have something that they don't have and won't have until they believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because no matter what happens to you, nothing can ever separate a true believer from the true source of an honest song. If you go to the book of Romans, if you turn with me to Romans in chapter 8, Romans chapter 8 and verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation 
or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It will be then, when it seems you have no other reason to sing, that the world will be able to see just how precious the Savior that you have truly is. It will be when you have a song, there's no apparent reason for that they will be able to realize that you have something that has a reality to it. It will be then that the jailers of this world will not be able to help but ask, what must I do to be saved? And if they're not noticing the song, God might just send an earthquake to draw attention to it. Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ tonight? If you haven't, you are still in the same disastrous and miserable plight as the wicked Roman jailer, even if you spent your whole life in church, and even if you spend the next 50 or 60 or 70 years of your life in church, if you never come to a place in your life where you believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, it will not matter that you were a member of Open Door Bible Baptist Church. It will not matter that you read your Bible every day. If you have not believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you really shouldn't be thinking about anything else. You see, I don't know who all is here tonight. I know that almost everyone here that I am aware of has made a profession of faith. But I know that in my own life, there was a time when I had made a profession of faith and I was just as lost as the Roman jailer or the drunk addict in the street or drunk and drug addict in the street. Just because you come to church... Just because you have a profession doesn't mean that you know the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you claim to know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have believed on His name, what value are you placing on Him tonight? Is He so little in your eyes that you cannot even sing? That you have nothing to sing about? There's many Christians today that lead a life that instead of leading others to ask, what must I do to be saved? It's more likely to raise the question, why should I bother to be saved? It's a tragedy. If you are going through a trial tonight, realize that no jailer can take away from you the source of your joy if your joy is in Jesus Christ. They can take away your life but they can never, 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 never take away your joy if your joy is in the right place. Is the Savior your joy tonight? Is He your Savior? If He is, why in the world would you make anything else the joy of your life? Why would you make the song and the joy in your heart dependent on any other reason? Are you going to find something or someone that is more valuable than the Savior? Are you going to find some material possession manufactured to shoddy work and sh by shoddy workmanship in China that is going to be more special to you than Jesus Christ? Even Apple computers are made in China. I love Apple computers. 
They're some of the best products you can get, but they're made in China too. There's nothing, there's no technology, technological gadget that ought to be the source of a Christian's joy. There's no boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife or child or mother or father or any other relation or relationship that ought to be, or the lack thereof, that ought to be the source of a Christian's joy. Is that person or that lack of person or whatever it may be in your life, is that more important to you than Jesus Christ? Is that so important that it can take away what Christ has done in your life so you cannot sing anymore? Is that so important in my life? This isn't just a message from me having understood and learned this and just live my life perfectly by this to you. It's a message that speaks to my heart as much as it does to anyone here. We must make, if we have believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, then it is He that ought to be the source of our joy. And when He is the source of our joy, then when we end up in the dungeons of this world, maybe it won't be a literal dungeon, but it could be just an emotional dungeon, or you feel sick, and it, 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 you feel as if you're in a dungeon, or whatever, and you feel as if you have no reason to sing, yet you can sing, and not just sing a funeral dirge to your own misery, but sing praises to the Lord, and sing them so the other prisoners could hear them? If Christ is your joy, you will be able to do that in the midst of any circumstance. Not just in the midst of sort of difficult circumstances, but even in the midst of very difficult circumstances. These men had been beaten. These men's lives had been put on the line. They had been risked. For all they knew, they could be facing death. And yet, in the midst of their pain, unjust pain, pain they did not deserve, because their joy was in the Savior, they were able to sing. And because they were able to sing, God was able to use their song and it brought an earthquake. And the earthquake got the attention of a wicked Roman jailer who got saved that night. And you have no idea what God might use your song to do in someone else's life. But if you're not singing now... God will, God will not be able to trust you with enough suffering to change someone else's life. God wants to use every one of His children. But if we are going to be used of God in the dungeon, we're going to have to walk with God in the sunlight. There's a story that's told about a young man. This was in the Civil War. And they had a no-man's land there. And I don't remember what side he was on. It doesn't really matter. But he was out walking in the no-man's land. And an officer from the other side caught him and made him a prisoner. And accused him, quite, you know, probably. It, it seemed to make, make sense as an accurate accusation. That he had been spying. And as most people know, the penalty for spying in time of war is death. And he asked the young man, What were you doing? In no man's land, walking in the field. And he said, I was praying, sir. And he told him, get down on your knees and pray for your life. And he prayed, and he prayed not just for his life in a selfish way, but he prayed in a way that showed that he had a walk with God. And the man was so impressed, he said, you could not pray to God that way unless you had been telling the truth that you've been walking with God before today. And his life was spared. 
because he was able to show that he had a walk with God. And there will come a time in our lives when there will be the test, and it probably won't be that you're on trial for your life to see if you've prayed or not. It's not going to be something like that. But there will come a time when we will be tested to see if we really have a walk with God, if our song has really come from the Savior or just because we felt happy and had a cheerful, and had a cheerful circumstances. And when we, if we walk with God, Paul and Silas got where they were by obeying God. And as we obey God day by day, and as we listen to God day by day, and as we walk with God day by day, He will give us a song that no one and nothing will ever be able to silence. Is the Savior your Savior tonight? And if He is, is He the source of your song? Father, Lord, I come before you tonight. I just thank you for the opportunity to preach your word, Lord. I know, Father, I don't deserve it. But I'm so thankful for it. I just pray, Father, Lord, if there's anyone here tonight that does not know the Savior, Father, you would not let pride get in the way of, of one more day, one more night, even one more hour of not knowing you. Father, Lord, I pray if there's someone here tonight that's been making anything but you the source of their song, you get a hold of their heart, Father. I pray you get a hold of my own heart that I would focus on the Savior more and more in my life and in everything that I do. I pray, Father, Lord, for you to apply the message to people's hearts, Father. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.